Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap here for the Fightful.com podcast. December 4th edition, our first of two for December 4th. We'll be doing a show after WWE TLC Sunday night. This show brought to you by our good friends at Fresh Clean Teas. Guys, style is constantly evolving, but one thing that doesn't go out of style is a silky smooth, beautiful, wonderful T-shirt. Now, uh, some T-shirts go out of style. Uh, Joe, when's the last time you wore an Affliction shirt? Uh, a very long time ago. I'm going to go with probably three years ago. Exactly. The first clean tees that I get from freshcleantees.com, I'll be wearing for years and years to come. <laughs> one, one stop buy, you can get them in a subscription package. For any occasion, Fresh Clean Tees is a super flexible service, allowing you to change sizes, skip shipments, or pick between subscriptions, or those one-time shops. Premium t-shirts without the premium price. As one customer said, Joe, he is the Indiana Jones of t-shirts. And fresh clean tees are his holy grail. And you know what, Joe? What's that? I know you're a cheapskate. So you use the code Fightful. I'll get you 20% off. How about that? Pretty slick. Pretty slick. It is pretty slick. Freshcleantees.com. Use that code Fightful. Help out the Fightful podcast. Joe, we've had a doozy of a time this weekend, especially you, my friend. Yeah, I'm a little beat, a little exhausted, but uh, that's what comes, uh, you know, when we do what we do in the world of mixed martial arts. I don't think I could ever complain about being as tired as you because you're, you know, you're seven days a week, 365 nonstop. I just happened to have woke up in Miami. Yeah, I don't know. I woke up in Miami this morning and here I am uh, just north of Toronto. Uh, what is it? 1.41 a.m. after a UFC event called Titan last night. Great, great show at Titan. Uh, a little controversy in the main event, but is what it is. And then went back to the hotel, packed up, got in the shuttle, got to the airport. Here I am. So we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about a couple of, Bell- well, really probably just one Bellator show. The other Bellator, we'll talk about the fighters in question, but there's plenty of stuff to talk about on this Ultimate Fighter 24 finale. Wow. This show was something special, Joe. Some good scraps, man. I I mean, a couple names that were kind of like, oh, yeah, who's this again? And, you know, and pretty (laughs) impressive stuff. Tim Elliott went from being fired after losing three straight fights in the UFC last year to probably Tuesday, Wednesday, when the rankings come out, being a top 10, top five flyweight. Did you see that coming? So you just cut out the last thing you said that you're cutting out on me. What was that? 
I said that Tim Elliott went from being fired last year for losing three straight fights in the UFC to probably this Wednesday when the rankings come out being a top five, top ten flyweight. Did you see that coming? Uh, well, I'm a little biased. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah because I got to call his his title fights uh, when he was in Titan, and then we knew when he went to the Ultimate Fighter, we were pretty you know adamant that he's going to be the number one pick, and then he ran, he goes through the show, wins the show, gets his title shot. I just, I mean, calling this guy's fights is just ridiculous. I mean, I used to have so much fun because, uh, you know, I, I would call him the Matrix. You just never know what he's going to do. He does crazy things, and I always thought, you know, he, he, he'd improved his game outside of the UFC, and then if he ever had a chance to fight Demetrius Johnson, I actually thought he was going to do it one day uh, if he could get back into the UFC, and then that, when that call came for the Ultimate Fighter, I looked at the, at the names that were on there, I'm like, I, I think he's going to win the show. Uh, he did, and then he gets in there with Demetrius Johnson, and we can make the argument. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was the toughest title defense of Demetrius Johnson's career. Definitely, he won that first round. Now, what this also does is makes a damn good argument for the UFC. Hey, if they want to do more of these seasons like this, completely justified at this point. You got a champion, a regional champion. Who became who went the distance with one of the greatest fighters of all time, of all time, and won the first round from him. Now there were some things in this fight that I thought were a little unusual. There were a lot of fouls in this fight that weren't called. There was that soccer kick in the first round. There was a knee when uh, Mighty Mouse's knee was down. There was some small joint manipulation. There was some strikes to the back of the head. No warnings issued. That was a little weird. This was an off night for Herb Dean. I'll say that. A big off night for Herb Dean. Yeah, especially in that Ellenberger fight, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a moment. But uh, yeah, there, I mean, he, there were some shots to the back of the head uh, that could have been warned. There's going to be warnings given to Tim Elliott. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, listen, Herb Dean's a human. Okay, he, he's allowed to have an off night. Thankfully, nobody was overly injured uh, with him having an off night. But you know, the, the guy's a human. You, you, I'm going to give him some slack. Tim Elliott was really, really unpredictable. Uh, Ultimately, and I said this between the first and second round, my wife was watching the show with me, and I was like, here's the difference maker. Matt Hume is in Demetrius Johnson's corner. And if there's ever a man that can adjust to an unpredictable style, that can do that. Matt Hume's one of the few guys that can coach you to that. He did. It worked. Tim Elliott got out of a lot of hairy situations. There was a rear naked choke that would have finished anybody else in the division, I think. Uh, he got out of the, the trademark crucifix of Demetrius Johnson. At one point, he had in the first round, he almost choked out Demetrius Johnson uh, with a guillotine, switched to a Darsh choke. An incredible performance from Tim Elliott, even in a loss. It, it was a fantastic performance. But again, uh, it's something that for any fans that, that haven't been tuned in or haven't been tuning into Titan, this is how he fights, man. This is how he's been fighting for, for a while since he left the UFC. He's a fantastic fighter uh and i I don't know if it was brian stan or john anik that mentioned it like think of the matchups now for tim elliott despite coming off this this loss this evening i mean i want to see him fight everybody in the top 10 and when like you mentioned with the rankings coming out i i think it's top five yeah i do too um demetrius johnson wins and he really started to pull away started to drag tim elliott into deep waters Tim Elliott was still able to stifle him on the ground, like inside control. He, he grabbed his own leg, put his hand behind his head, and just the point to where Herb Dean was ready to stand it up. That yeah. hey, you got to do what you got to do. He he spent 
more time on top of Demetrius Johnson in that first round than Olympic gold medalist Henry Cejudo did. Yeah, one of the things that Tim was doing wasn't just putting his hand underneath and grabbing his leg. He was actually attempting a choke there. Because if you look mm-hmm. at if you looked at where Demetrius Johnson's left shoulder was, it was putting he's, he's driving it into his own neck. And with Tim bringing his leg across and bringing his forearm across, he's actually looking for a choke there. So he's not necessarily so he's got, so he's got both carotid arteries taken care of there. Yeah, so he's actually looking for a choke there to see if Demetrius would kind of wiggle his way into making that tighter. But it also looks like a stalling position, and you know wouldn't be surprised if Herbie did stand that up. So uh, you know, kudos to Tim Elliott. Little surprises here and there all the time. Who's next for Demetrius Johnson? Because Joseph Benavidez, we'll talk about that, but he earned the victory tonight. He ain't getting Mighty Mouse Johnson right now. Um, Wilson Hayes has a fight scheduled. If Formiga wins, I know that they'd love to, to throw him in there because he's never been in there. Uh, also, before we get to this, I want to say, because we won't talk about the Moreno fight a lot, but Moreno, also a good case, a good, uh, a really good case for them bringing more of that Tough 24 cast into the UFC, because I heard they're not signing a whole lot of those people unless they need them. Brandon Moreno, Tim Elliott, great examples of why they should. Because Brandon Moreno stepped in. He was eliminated in the first round on that show. Stepped in, and now he's the top 10 flyweight. Crazy. Yeah, listen, you and I have talked about this before and how long I've been I've, – I've, I've professed this to the UFC uh, way back when. I, this The first conversation I had about this type of show format – um, was when John Dodson uh, and TJ Dillashaw were on the show, uh, those tryouts in New Jersey. It was something that we were discussing uh, with the television network side. was like, why not have an ultimate fighter with just champions? There's so many regional promotions. Just have champions from all these promotions. You can't tell me you can't find 16 champions or at least champions with, with or guys number one contenders at all these regional places. I mean, they went as far as, as Shudo to bring somebody in. So there's plenty of guys you can bring in in every single division uh, that are spectacular talent that are, you know, better than, that are, than, than guys that are on the UFC roster right now. Um, so yeah, this is a great format and I think they should be signing more guys that were on the show here, obviously just for the fact that this 125 pound division needs an infusion of blood, despite the fact that, you know, Demetrius continues to just clean it all out. Uh, you know, I'm all for your Formiga suggestion. I'd love to see who's here in there. Uh, I think he's the guy that, that probably deserved the most right now. So remains to be seen what they do, but other than, uh, Conor McGregor, uh, I think Formiga's the guy. Also, I'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce his name, but the guy, the Shudo champion who made it to the finals, absolutely should be signed to 15-3. His last two losses are like to Dantes and Horiguchi. Uh, yeah, we'll let those slide, I think. So, Demetrius Johnson, we'll be talking about him more throughout the show. Hey, you didn't like my Conor McGregor suggestion? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, fights in every weight class. Come on, Demetrius, just move up. Let's just get a catch weight going here. Come on. Jesus, that would be bad. But what was not bad, Joseph Benavidez and Henry Cejudo. And Joe, I hate to say I told you so, but I know, I know, I know. I, I was so. I was just you know me. I was watching that fight and I'm like, oh every, every time Cejudo was landing something, I'm like, oh Sean's probably biting his lip, just getting so Ooh. pissed. Was Cejudo striking between his last fight and today? Holy crap. I didn't expect that. His kicks look better. His body kicks look better. His knees look better. Knees are like just a different animal at flyweight. It's just a different type of thing. They land at a much higher percentage. 
they, they land a lot harder at flyweight. They, they land a lot more solid at flyweight. I don't know why that is. Maybe it has something to do with the height. But um, there's also the issue of, you know, when you're an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling, that's fine and dandy. But when you're taking out a guy who's five foot two, five foot three, they can get their legs underneath them a lot quicker than five foot eight and above, you know, things like that. These two guys slugged it out. I did like that the ref deducted a point after two low blows. When people commit fouls, and this was an off night for Brian Stan too, he's like, I don't think either were, were intentional. It doesn't matter if they're intentional. You, you, you know what, Joe, if I were to backhand you across the face two times and said, whoa, Joe, it's not intentional. Don't be upset. Yeah, there was uh, – I mean, even when Brian Stan was questioning um... – Mark Ratner, I was like, oh man, yeah, that's you just when Mark Ratner speaks, yeah. chances are you just gotta let it go because even if Ratner is wrong, you don't want to sort of put him on the spot and embarrass him. But um, Stan's gonna run for president, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's the man, it doesn't matter. He's he, he, he's he's the bomb. Let's just be honest for a second. But um, hey, he could be the Rocks Lobo. VP. Well, he could, never mind. Yeah, good point. That's a good ticket right there. But you know what? Yeah, that that low blow kind of uh, that 30. 26 card though I, I i didn't i don't know weird How? weird card weird one yeah even 29 26 i had it a draw i, I thought Cejudo took two rounds i thought benavidez took one round now i i thought benavidez was just gonna mop the floor with Cejudo. he absolutely did not Cejudo looked phenomenal uh apparently the judges wanted to see this in a five-round fight too so hopefully we get that i would love to see these two fight again immediately yeah i would love I to see it this is one of my top 10 fights of the year joe yeah i, I mean who's gonna argue with that like really who's gonna argue that i i, I can't see you know shelby or or you know joe silva's time is pretty much done now but i mean you can't really argue that i would love to see that fight again just like i want we want to see the the thompson uh woodley fight again like this is a fight that you want to see again you, it just feels like it's unfinished business yeah, I, I agree. And these are two flyweights that they ain't beating Demetrius Johnson right now. Benavidez isn't getting that title shot anytime soon. Cejudo was just dominated by, by Johnson. So why not have them fight each other? It keeps them from knocking off other potential contenders, keeps them busy. They deserve a main event. I, I'll watch that five rounds all day long. We're going we're gonna to skip around here a little bit, but we're coming back to the main card. But, Joe, there's a new Seraph in town, and his name is Rob Font. <laughs> He's a mean, mean human being. I just hit you with a with a Seraph yeah. Font joke. I'm so proud of that. Yeah, I like it. I like he it. He knocked the Helvicta out of Matt Schnell. That, that was just like, I was looking at that. I was looking at Rob going, you're mean, dude. Like, you are yeah. mean. That was just a vicious vicious like one round just wow like mean good great performance though amazing performance so he he deserves that um j- just everything how he was executing it I, the fact how he stayed i'm not gonna say calm kind of reserved and just just did his work man did his job and just pounded away there until the finish came and it was done I'll tell you what wasn't a good performance. Ryan Hall versus Gray Maynard. Now, I can appreciate this style. Ryan Hall has some really nice kicks, especially his hook kicks. They are great at range. Nothing short nothing short of great at range. I cannot respect somebody flopping a dozen times in a fight. 
I can't. And Gray Maynard probably getting cut, probably Bellator bound. This new regime isn't going to keep him around making 50K. I think we probably see Ben Henderson versus Gray Maynard in Bellator in 2015. I think that's a fight that gets made. Um, what what was up with this Ryan Hall thing? I get it. He's diving for leg locks. He's doing all that. But, man, come on. What the hell? Was it? Um, I, I, I got a, a friend of mine that was, that was messaging me or, or sent me an email afterwards. He just said, first things first, Gray Maynard should retire. And I was like, no, he shouldn't retire. He's, he's, he's doing okay. Uh, and B or two, he never wants to watch another Ryan Hall fight again. Um, of course. As, why, as, would, why would anybody as a fan ever pay money to see Ryan Hall again? That's a good point. It's a good point. The, 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 you know, I wouldn't pay money to see him, but. I had no problem with the way he's fighting, and I'll tell you why. It is mixed martial arts, and it's up to great. Because you're a masochist, Joe. No, I'm just simply saying it's a situation where Ryan Hall competes in a manner where he wants to get that fight down on the ground, and if you don't want to go down on the ground with him, he's just going to keep throwing kicks because he's confident that, you know what, I want you to take me down on the ground. I want you to catch my leg, and if you don't catch my leg, I'm going to hit you in the face. So either way, no matter what, I want to get you down on the ground, and I'm always going to protect my face. I don't want you punching me. I don't want you touching me. So this is the style that I'm going to have. So it's, it's incumbent on his opponent, in my opinion, uh, to do something about that. Maynard did not want to go down to the ground and get, get his legs anywhere near gripped. You know, you, you know your leg locks. I mean, especially with a guy like Ryan Hall, a master of the 50-50 position, that's not a guy you want to tangle with down there. So I get what he's doing. I understand the style. And it, it's mixed martial arts, you know. We're so used to seeing guy, two guys standing and trading, one guy getting a takedown, and the fight continues on the ground. Well, you don't want to be on the ground with a guy like Ryan Hall. So Maynard proved that. You don't want to be down there. Got to keep this fight standing up. So then you have to figure out how to – stick and move, get in there, and punish Ryan Hall and get those punches to land and knock him out. I I agree that, and I appreciate that he stuck to his game plan because a lot of people wouldn't. They'd let the uh, crowd change that. I'll ask you this. What percentage of his purse would he have been deducted in pride for this fight? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. be interesting. Would he have gotten a yellow card? I think he would have gotten red cards. (laughs) They would have made up black cards. Orange cards, everything for this. Not the best fight, but uh, Ryan Hall, interested to see where that goes. Sarah McMahon, Alexis Davis. This is interesting for a couple of reasons. Alexis Davis won that first round off her back, I thought, Joe. Mm-hmm. Correct. I, mean, it was, I like that. Yeah. It was, uh, what, what did Sarah say? She couldn't feel her face in between rounds? She said he couldn't feel half of her face. So she said, I'm just going to take her down, and did so with a beautiful hip throw. A beautiful hip throw, just magnificent. Now, Sarah McMahon also, she's always had a good jab. And I've noticed this. This is from a lot of wrestlers have good jabs. I don't know if it's because they're so used to getting out on that front foot quickly from the shots, but there are a lot of wrestlers that have excellent jabs, which is a great thing to have if you're setting up a takedown. She didn't need it for that one. Just got in, clinched, hip throw which makes you appreciate Ronda Rousey's clinch game even more. The fact that, I mean, Alexis Davis, probably a top 15 fighter still, not ranked, but she was inactive for a long time. Sarah McMahon grabbed the arm triangle and finished her. She did what she had to do to get the hell out of the cage and get her win bonus. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe a finish bonus too. 
Yeah. Well, as soon as she got past those legs, I was like, ooh, Alexis, you better hurry up. You better hurry up and get out of there real quick because it's about to get real ugly. And before I could even finish that thought oh, in my I head. That she's a Canadian, isn't she? That is correct. No, actually. Okay. But, yeah, but I think she's the first Canadian I ever uh, picked against. Uh, I thought Sarah McMahon was going to win this fight. I said she's going to take her down on the ground and she's going to punish her. Uh, I didn't think a submission was going to happen. I thought I was going to probably go the full 50 minutes. And even Sarah said it herself. She's expecting a 50-minute fight. But, yeah, but when, when those arms get around you, believe me, she's got that strength. Huge arms. Here's a crazy thing. 36 years old, Sarah McMahon. Yeah. Crazy yeah. thing. Still getting it done, which Alexis Davis is – well, she's 32, but, man, she hasn't fought a lot. She fought once this year, once last year. She's barely fought. Like in the last three years, it's, it's been very, very, very inactive. Ronda Rousey seems to do that to people when she finishes them. They, they don't come back for a while, generally. Yeah. Um, True. Anthony Smith on the prelims knocks out Elvis. I guess you could sh- say he had Elvis all <laughs> shook up. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Cannonier in uh, Kutalaba. Now, we had a guy who fought his last fight at 241 pounds against the guy who ran a marathon in his last fight. Cannonier looked like the guy who ran a marathon in his last fight because he kept up with uh, Ian's pace through that first round and a half, then kind of pulled away. Now, first off, props to him for getting down, getting in shape, and making 205 impressive uh this was a fantastic fight this was really good uh and i want to see more of jared cannonier at, at light heavyweight definitely yeah but did you hear what he said in the, in the post-fight interview what did he say i must have missed it his wife is his nutritionist and he said yeah. as long as his wife can put it up with him he'll try and go to 185 oh no way yep and i think if, if you look at, at the way his body is constructed i think he can make 185 hey you know what if he dropped like that uh, maybe he can maybe he can whoo i missed that one damn but that fight was for him that was just bomb fest after bomb fest especially considering what happened at the beginning of the first round like it was it was it was a good fight this whole this the, the show was good but those last five fights Ooh, damn speaking of uh one of the last fights on the show uh Jorge Masvidal defeated technically Jake Ellenberger. He beat the brakes off of him, though. Don't don't get mistaken, but Jake Ellenberger's foot slid in between the cage and the the floor. It twisted. They stopped the fight, gave t- Jake Ellenberger uh, a TKO loss. This fight's getting overturned, Joe. There's no question about it. It has to. Though. It's answer yeah. buts. I don't care what. If there's nothing in the rules for, for the unified rules of mixed martial arts, no, no clause, no term, that is not a TKO victory. Herb D made the right call. Um, I'm surprised. Yeah. Ma- I mean, Masvidal could have been a tad more class and realized, hey, man, the dude, like, because Jake kind of looked back and was like, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he just started pounding away. Uh, you could make yeah. the argument, listen, you don't stop until the referee tells you to stop. But you know, there, there is sportsmanship and have a little bit of honor. And guy's foot stuck in the cage. He can't defend himself uh, other than just putting his hands up. Uh, so I think Herb Dean did make the right call. Well, there, the there is precedent. There is precedent. Uh, in 2001, there was the Aaron Brink. Rich Franklin fight, and a guy's toe got stuck in the cage, and it was overturned to a no contest. There you so, go. Then, was, then, no yeah. contest. Uh, I want to see Jorge Masvidal fight Donald Cerrone like yesterday. 
That's a good fight. I like it. Man, Masvidal just goes in there. And like, you know those guys at the gym you see, and they, they make the loud – they do the loud breathing or they, they shout as they throw the strikes. Masvidal does that in the cage, and it's intimidating. It's so intimidating. Tony's last fight is at UFC 206 versus Matt Brown? Huh? You think that this is going to be Donald Cerrone's last fight with the UFC at uh, UFC 206, considering all the stuff that's going on? Well, he just signed a new deal, so I don't think so. All right. I don't, but um, that's that's going to be also interesting. Um, so also we'll bring up this. Chuck Liddell, Matt Hughes fired by the UFC. I guess there's nobody else that's going to tell fighters how great the Reebok deal is now. They got to find somebody else. Is it a coincidence that 12 hours after Chuck Liddell is fired, that Tito Ortiz announces his uh, uh, retirement after his next fight? Interesting. No coincidence. No coincidence. Also, I don't think Chuck Liddell will fight for Bellator. He's not old enough yet. Um, Oh, wow. All right. (laughs) Speaking of Bellator... Joe Warren got beat yesterday. Is he Bellator's Uriah Faber? Is he going to be that guy who keeps getting title shots, doesn't win, but keeps knocking off contenders? I, yeah, I think so. I mean, Joe, Joe Warren to me so is it, just an anomaly sometimes. Um, you know, he, he had this massive potential when he first got onto the scene, and it just kind of hit it, kind of reached it, and then just just – you know, I get, I get, I understand your Uriah Faber analogy, but he just completely stagnated, and um, I haven't really paid. You know, whenever I watch him fight, it's something you know. I look down on my phone, and I hey, anything else going on because it's just he doesn't do anything for me anymore. Also on Bellator this weekend, AJ McKee defeats Ray Wood, Marcos Galvo defeats LC Davis, Chris Honeycutt defeats uh, Ben Ryder, Darian Caldwell defeats Joe Timanglo in their rematch. So. uh, a good weekend for the people that Bellator want to push, Joe. Now, I haven't talked to you about this. Actually, I'll, I'll do the Gerald Harris thing before we talk Conor McGregor. I have put Gerald Harris over a lot on this show, right? And I did that long-form feature, and uh, he fought this weekend. He fought Friday night. You probably saw it. He won via a phenomenal Phenomenal slam knockout. You saw that, right, Joe? Yep. Your reaction to that? Uh, it always scares me. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was absolutely epic. It was fantastic. Um, you know, it's 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 you know, remember Rampage Jackson uh, at Pride back in the Pride days? Like, if someone is gonna lift you up, guess what, dude? Either you better break that fall pretty good. Yes. Open your legs because if this you is among slams, oh yeah. This is among the greatest slam knockouts of all time. Now, let me give you a little background here, guys. A couple of months ago, Gerald Harris is looking for a fight. This guy, Aaron Cobb, gets at Gerald Harris on Twitter and says, let's fight. And Gerald Harris thought it was a troll. Then he looked him up, and he's like, oh, wait, this guy's 7-3. He wants to fight. Let's do it. Legacy put their last show on in Gerald Harris's hometown, sold $10,000 worth of tickets through Gerald Harris in two days. That's a phenomenal number, as you know, Joe. Phenomenal yep. number in two days. So the guy like really starts to ramp it up on Gerald Harris, calling him the worst, worst UFC veteran of all time. 
uh, somebody's like, who is this? And he's like, I don't know. I think he's a comedian or a clown or something now. He's not a fighter. Like really trying to do it. Saying, pick your weight, pick your weight, pick your weight. They agree on a welterweight fight. Do you know what weight Aaron Cobb showed up at? I'm going to say 170. But by the sounds of it, you're hinting he probably missed weight because I don't know the story. He sure so I'm going to probably sure say did. 175. Try 224 pounds, Joseph. Are you. Are, 224 pounds. For a welterweight fight. For a welterweight, pardon my French, fucking fight. 224 pounds. Gerald Harris was ready for welterweight. At weigh ins on Thursday, he weighed in at 189. Cobb had a target of 205 to make on the day of the fight. Gerald, I don't know how. I'm going to try to get a hold of him. When Gerald's training, he's hard to talk to. He had to somehow weigh 208 pounds. And Gerald did. He probably weighed on with all his clothes, guzzling water. Gerald Harris, a welterweight, took this fight at heavyweight. Makes that slam... uh... Wow, that is unbelievable. I I I don't know that that's that's ridiculous, John. I mean that, that you, what commission so, was this under? Oklahoma. Well, so okay. and, and Gerald said there's no way he wasn't going to fight. You know, this is in front of his friends, his family. It's been three years. He had to fight. He yeah. made this guy pay. And so, Aaron Cobb, I guess, didn't watch UFC 16. I guess isn't a guy who watches MMA because he did the same damn thing that David Branch did. He pulled standing guard and you could see Gerald Harris like held onto it for a little bit. Like, is this serious? Is this a real thing that's happening? Then he posts his arm into the guy's face, spine busters him into the ground, chucks the deuce. He wins. The crowd goes crazy, full of friends and family. Today, I find some of those old tweets where they're going back and forth and, Cobb is trashing Gerald Harris. And Gerald Harris two months ago says, be careful what you wish for. And you got Cobb saying, shut up and pick a weight. Wow. So Cobb finds me, Ian Bain, Josh Sanchez, one of my old editors on Twitter. And I don't advocate the use of this word, but he calls us repeatedly faggots and says, do you faggots even fight? Yeah. Wow. I'll tell you what, buddy. I, and I respect the fact that he, he did he did time in the military. If I did fight, it sure as hell wouldn't be at welter heavyweight. But even though you know, Aaron Cobb is officially the number two welter heavyweight in the world now. I mean, there's only two of them. There's him and Gerald Harris. This guy should never get a fight again. Well, let's not even talk about the language. I don't give a shit that he called me that. I could I could couldn't care less about that. I mean, it's career suicide for him to say that publicly to a group of journalists who write about people. But, you know, I don't care. It's, it's even more career suicide to show up 54 pounds overweight. He didn't even try. He said that he had a pinched nerve in his back. 54 pounds overweight, Joe. As Pat Militich said, he missed weight by a fourth grader. That's... Is there something wrong with this guy? Because you can't you can't just spout off like that. I mean, hey, listen, we all have our freedom of speech uh, positions, but 
can't be calling people that. I mean, I, you know, I've been upset with people online before. I just ignore them, delete them, or, or just block them, or move on. He blocked on. me. He sure as hell blocked me right after he said it. To the next, that's it. Uh, hmm. Well, well. <laughs> no, Aaron, I don't fight, but I'll tell you what, I've made weight for every, every, every fight, every grappling match, everything that I've ever done, I've, I've made weight. I've made weight by a country fucking mile. So Aaron Cobb will probably never fight again. He'll probably end up with diabetes, unfortunately. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> and he can sit at home and watch the Fightful podcast. The Fightful podcast, Joe, which was nominated for four Sheedy Awards. Sheedy Awards. I know the name sounds funny. By a website <laughs> called SheetSandwich.com, which covers the coverage of pro wrestling. No way. Good stuff. Yeah. Brand, Brandon Howard was nominated for Best Writer, Best Columnist. We were nominated for Best News Aggregator. And I was nominated for Best Podcast Host. Hot diggity damn. That's awesome. Congratulations, boss. Hey, not bad for a faggot, huh? Jeez. I'm not going As there. Aaron Cobb I can't would say. go there. Stop. As Aaron Cobb would say. Now, from here on, we will never use that word on our podcast again. <sighs> That felt good. Do you know how happy it made me to, to just rewind that knockout over and over again? And my wife came in. And, You're going to watch it all the time. Do you know what my wife said when I showed her the knockout? No. When are you showing me the new one? Isn't this the old one you've shown me a million times? Oh, wow. <laughs> Talking about the UFC 116. Somebody says diabetes, that's cold, SRS, although he might lose his feet and make weight. Oh, no. That's bad. Guys. That's terrible. Hey, I've got people with diabetes in my yourselves. family. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you try keeping a straight face. I had Jimmy Van on here cracking me during ad pitches and all kinds of stuff last night, Joe. Really? Jeez. Now, before we go, Conor McGregor. Dana White says, this was Conor McGregor's decision to relinquish the title. Conor McGregor says, uh, no, it was not. I'm still the champion. Nobody's taking shit from me. What do you think, Joe? I'm telling you, this kid's not taking anything that the UC is going to try and make him do. So it's um, – you said I told you so about Benavides and Cejudo, and I've been telling you and everybody <laughs> do not underestimate what Conor McGregor is going to do to the UFC. I've been saying it for a while, and he's going to put a number – on this organization. Mark my he words. Got, he got a boxing license the other day. That is super like Ultimo level trolling. Like that guy knows whoever advised him to do that. Thumbs up. You're a smart person. Whoever told what was him, the gentleman's hey, name that you mentioned that wrote that article? Which one? On the Oh, uh, John, I think it was John Nash. John Nash on, on, uh, it was bloody elbow. You mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Great stuff. I'll look that Great up. Stuff. I want to read that. I want to read that for sure. But yeah, listen, Sean. Sunday, December fourth, two thirteen a.m. Broken record. Showdown, Joe saying it again. Conor McGregor is going to put a number on this organization and wait till there. I know there's people that are that are close to me that are close to his people that are going to be talking, and it's it's. Well, Joe, as you mentioned, it is two. 13 in the morning. I will let you go. I'm going to talk a little Ring of Honor before we go. 
But anything you want to tell the people besides follow us at Fightful Online on Twitter and Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, iTunes. Of course, visit Fightful.com, all your news, and share the page, of course. Yes, man. Thank you, everyone, for uh, for tuning in uh, this late here. And, of course, lots of love going to Sean Ross Sapp. The guy does not stop working. I'm exhausted. I'm sure you can see the bags under my eyes, but uh, I'm going to sleep right now. But he's going to keep going. Long into the night, but man, best of luck and uh, always, always a pleasure being on the air with you. Before we go, I'll drop this news: one hundred eighty-eight thousand dollar gate, terrible. Anthony Smith, Jared Cannonier, Sarah McMahon, Ian Cutabella, those are uh, or Cutilaba, those are your performance of the night bonuses. Joe, I will see you on Wednesday, my friend. Yes, sir. Ciao, man. Take care. And we had Ring of Honor final battle, but we also have some Ring of Honor news, some big Ring of Honor news, and WWE news at that. The Young Bucks have re-signed a two-year contract with Ring uh, with Ring of Honor and New Japan. This is big for a lot involved. Uh, it extends far beyond them. Their money is substantially higher than it was last year for their one-year deal. They are also able to still work PWG. They're able to work some overseas shows as well. This is just a U.S.-Japan deal. The Young Bucks will also see their money increase in 2018. Now, that, that's, that's really good because the WWE, I feel, is going to aggressively seek out talent. That, that buzz for NXT isn't where it used to be, and they, gotta, they need to come up on, on the NXT brand. So I think they're going to they're gonna try for Adam Cole when his contract's up, Jay Lethal, Kyle O'Reilly, unless O'Reilly's re-signed a, a deal. So I don't know. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura won the NXT title in Japan. I would keep spoilers from you usually, but they've already announced it on Instagram. Uh, I get the feeling that he's going to drop it to Joe in Australia, where our own Anna Bauert will be. So that's cool. Also, Trina and Alex Pawlowski were at tonight's House of Hardcore, which streamed on Flow Slam. So that's cool. Flow Slam will be recording or filming a documentary at Matt Riddle's house while we do the podcast this week. That's cool. So we have this final battle card. The Rebellion versus Motor City Machine Guns and Donovan Dijak. So first off, I'll say, how do you not pair up Motor City Machine Guns with Kushida in that six-man tournament? That's weird to me. The Motor City Time Splitters, that's too good to, to just pass up, in my opinion. I could not be less interested in Rhett Titus, Kenny King, and Caprice Coleman, which is weird for me to think because I was really high on ANX like five years ago when they had that that tag division that was just popping in ROH. I like world's greatest tag team, Briscoes, uh, ANX, Kings of Wrestling. It, it was a good time. It was a good time. I don't think Bucks were there. I think they were in TNA. But uh and they're they're pushing them and Kingdom. Oh gross, man. So uh, this match picked up midway through. Like, and I'll say this: Ring of Honor has the best sounding barricades. Like, period. Somebody says uh, over under two hundred six hundred twenty five thousand buys. I think it'll do one fifty, one seventy five maybe. But yeah, this match picked up. But there's, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the Rebellion as they're called now. Silas Young versus uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Silas Young wins an 11-minute match. I love Silas Young. That guy is deceptively athletic. 
He's really good. Jushin Thunder Liger is like 52, I think. He just turned 52. Unbelievable, man. I guess it's not that unbelievable. Chris Jericho is not that far off, and he's still going. I think he's like 40, well, 46, 47. Dalton Castle gets a big win over Colt Cabana. Good to see Cabana as a heel. You just got to switch it up, and Cabana needed to switch it up, and he did. New music, new wrestling style. I liked it. If I'm WWE, Dalton Castle is another one of those guys I go after really, really, really hard because he's a character. And it's not hard to build characters that, you know, like, this is the type of guy that they would have put out in the Duke the Dumpster Drossy era as a character. But it works today. Duke the Dumpster Drossy doesn't work today. Like, literally or figuratively. Good win for Dalton Castle. I love his deadlift German suplex. I wish that was like a secondary finish for him. Cody defeated Jay Lethal. So Ring of Honor let uh, TNA use Brandy. That was weird. That was awkward. She did a DX reference. Okay, that was dumb. So Cody had probably his best match ever. I think his best singles match ever uh, against Jay Lethal and turned heel. And it was white hot, you guys. Addiction came out before. Now, I don't know the motive in turning addiction babyface, but you know, they had that incredible ladder wars match and it got out that Christopher Daniels was responsible for that. And anybody who watches ring of honor was probably going to read that. So, um, like I I thought maybe that could be the case. Maybe that could be why, but that that's, that's a far fetched thing, man. Like me speculating that and certainly far from true. But they cut a babyface promo. It started off as a heel promo, but ended up being a, a babyface promo before the match, saying that Ring of Honor needed more people like this. Cody Rhodes turns heel, attacks Steve Carino after the match. Cody Rhodes is over as a heel in Ring of Honor, and immediately I'd put him among the top heels in Ring of Honor. Like, of course, he's working with Jay Lethal, so that's a big, big program. Um. Yeah, somebody says Kenny King's name should be Skip because that's what people do when he appears on TV. Hit Skip. It seems like he tries a little too hard. Like if he's if he's just more natural, I would like him a lot more. But he tries too hard. Kingdom defeated Kushida, Leo Rush, and Jay White. I don't like the Kingdom. I don't understand ROH's fascination with Matt Taven. When they when Leo Rush hit the frog splash immediately, I thought that should have been it. I don't understand the appeal of Matt Taven. I've never heard somebody say, I can't wait for a kingdom match, either this iteration or the old iteration. Uh, like, the, it's, I just don't get it. I don't get the fascination with Matt Taven. I've said it three times. I'll never understand it. They're your first ever Ring of Honor six-man world tag team champions. Okay. Who else you got there? I would love to see Motor City Machine Guns and Kushida be a semi-regular thing, though. The Motor City Time Splitters. It just makes too much sense to not do that. Weird to me. But who else is there going to be? You're always going to have a Bullet Club combination there, of course. Always a Bullet Club combination. And you've got the Rebellion. um, You know, the Briscoes can adopt Cheeseburger, I guess. That's cool. Marty Skrull defeated Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay to retain the ROH uh, World Television Championship. A couple things I didn't like about this. Like, I hate the hold on to the top rope 
deal while you're hanging upside down. That's stupid. They waited for each other to flip a couple times. Didn't like that. Uh, the match was too short for my liking. I, I could have watched these guys go into something else. A lot of people like this match. I just, there was a lot that took me out of it, unfortunately. But I like Marty Skrull. I like Dragon Lee. I like Will Ospreay. It's just those are, there are a couple things. I want it to make sense. And flips make sense to me. I watch MMA. I watch Ryan Hall flip and flop around all day. It's legit. You can do it. But uh, Marty Skrull is one of those guys. That was uh, He and Will Ospreay, A-plus signings for Ring of Honor. As they might lose some names, those are two names in the future that are going to be big. Young Bucks beat uh, the Briscoes to retain the tag titles. Excellent match. Uh, I don't know about not selling like 10 straight super kicks. I think it was, but good match nonetheless. The Broken Hardys are coming to Ring of Honor the day before WrestleMania. So TNA signed off on that. Looks like maybe them they're, they're becoming a little more liberal with that. That's good. And the Bucks just signed new deals. Got to hope the Briscoes do too, because that'd be a big hit. Because you're losing two big singles guys and a big tag team, and they're versatile. They seamlessly transition between singles and and tag. Like they could not tag for four months, then just all of a sudden, okay, I like that. I love it. Want some more of it? Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole. This was an outstanding match. Kyle O'Reilly's one of the best workers in the world. Just awesome. He could make 205 Live. He could be on 205 Live, you guys. <laughs> I don't want him on 205 Live. He's too good for what they are do- what they did last week, rather. The main event was good, though. Adam Cole loses. Uh, his contract extends to, to uh, I think, uh, April because he was hurt, so they, they had a freeze on it. It was supposed to end uh, at, at, like, December 31st, but because he was hurt, I think they get four more months out of him. Uh, somebody says the Hardys can probably do anything they want right now with TNA. Yeah, I would say so. I would imagine they have pretty much free reign over that, but damn, man. Damn. That was a final battle. I thought it was a solid show, not a blow away show or anything, but a pretty solid show. The main event was exceptional. The co-main event was pretty good. Ultimately, there, there are a lot of people in Ring of Honor that I'm just like, Channel change, channel change, mainly in their six-person division. Guys, uh, we are back Sunday night after TLC. Please visit Fightful.com. Please share the page, share the site. I can't tell you how important that is to us. Also, whenever the Sheety Award goes up for votes, please vote for us. Help out Fightful.com. Give us a little more street cred, if you don't mind. Uh, I will tweet those links. I will post those links. We'll do a story on it. But uh, do that. It may seem a little, uh, may seem a little. I don't know, ridiculous. But hey, we like to be recognized for our hard work, especially me. Maybe I'll run a new egomaniac gimmick if I win. Maybe I don't like gimmicks on podcasts. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I really appreciate you guys. And hey, guys, don't forget freshcleantees.com. Save twenty percent with that code Fightful. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.